What's up, Debbie Peoples? It's EK back with another hot off the presses episode of the Debbie Dose. Tonight, we got some awesome content. We got some great guys on with us. We got my frequent uh, uh, co host, at Debbie Jake, here and say hi, Jake. What's up? And then, uh, very, very pleased to introduce our, our special guest, Josh at CFF, guys. If you're not following him, Josh is he's a CFF, he's a Debbie guru, just nonstop streams of awesome content coming out his way. And obviously with the, the Fantasy Points team, he's got some heavy hitters up there. Uh, what you got going on, Josh? Got anything to plug? Yeah, I mean, right now I'm just trying to put out some threads on Twitter, some gain some tractions. A lot of my stuff is starting to get outside of its intended audience, which is always fun to <laughs> then get just smashed when people don't understand that Austin Reed is not a Debbie take. Uh, but you're you know, such a casual, Josh. Yeah, it's such a casual. So just having some fun doing that right now and, you know, ready for the season to start so we can get into DFS, player props, things like that. So should be fun. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm psyched. I'm psyched to have you on. You know, you're you're one of the best in the space. So I can't wait to hear what you're uh, what you're bringing for sleepers tonight. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're doing nine running back values to help you win your CFF drafts this year. And let's get right into it. Uh, you know, Josh, you're the man of honor here. So why don't you re- lead right into it? Yeah. So you know, when I'm looking for sleeper running backs, I'm looking for a couple things, particularly. Like Debbie, Jake, and I, or Jacob and I have been just doing so much um, best balls right now. And I think what I'm looking for is one, like I want to hit a home run with those like late sleepers. Because like, if I can get a late guy that just is scoring 15 to 20 points a game, then that's going to just increase the entire floor of my team. So a lot of uh, just going for home runs. So first guy I have up for me is a guy named Marcus Carroll. Um, he's a Georgia State running back. And he's a guy that, man, you can get him 20-plus rounds in any draft. And really, at this point, I think it's only been Mike Bainbridge or I that has actually drafted him in any draft. So he's a pretty deep sleeper. Um, But the Georgia State backfield is one. Like, one, like, they just love to run the ball. Um, But they, too, they have a couple guys that are graduating this year that have been staples in that backfield. So you got Tucker Gregg and Jameis Williams, who have been in that backfield the last couple years. And um, the last, I think, six years with Sean Clark as the head coach um, for the Georgia State Panthers, his running backs have averaged 176 carries, 138 yards, and eight touchdowns for 13.8 fantasy points a game. So it gives you a solid floor right there. Um, And then last year you saw Tucker Gregg as RB1. He went 172 carries for 705 yards and 12 touchdowns. And then Marcus Carroll was number two at 126. But again, Greg and Jameis Williams are gone, and they're leaving. I think it's like 250-something carries, like 257 carries, like 1,200 yards rushing, and and then I think uh, 10 touchdowns on top of that. So you have a lot of production gone. And then Marcus Carroll only has Casey Adams, who's about 175 pounds, and then another running back um, that's coming back that's basically like a walk-on. His name's uh, Jay Dixon, and he's 180 pounds. So this is a guy that's got... 250 carries that are up in the air. Casey Adams will get 10 carries a game or so, 10 to 15. But then you're, you're still talking about, you know, an additional 125 that Carroll can add from the 125 they had last year. So you're talking about a guy that can potentially get up to 250 carries um, in this backfield. Uh, and, you know, I think at that point, sky's the limit for this guy. Over the last four games last year, um, which is kind of post Jameis Williams got injured there, um, Marcus Carroll averaged 19 carries for 82 yards and about a touchdown and a quarter. So, which really ranges out to about 15 fantasy points a game. So, if we got that, you know, at plus 20 plus rounds in the draft, like that's huge. I mean, his range of outcomes to me is 14 to 18 fantasy points a game. And that puts us, you know, in a good ballpark for a guy that, again, nobody else is drafting and you can get on them pretty easily. So, I like Marcus Carroll a lot this year. Yeah. Oh, Carol, uh, are you concerned about Granger at all? Uh, vulturing some, some, some Russian TDs. Man, I think that's a great question. Now, last year, Granger had 164 carries, 734 yards, and six touchdowns. So I'm not sure, you know, how much more 
production we're going to get out of Granger there at the quarterback position. But even if you got 36 more carries, I mean, you're still talking about you're in the 220 carry range with Marcus Carroll. So with only three running backs on that roster, Granger can have another, you know, three carries a game. And I think we're still fine. Yeah, and uh, so Adams is uh, is from Akron, right? So he's only fresh on campus as of very recently. I don't even know if he made it in time for their uh, spring game. I think he missed, uh, I think, most of their spring. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong on that one. So, but, uh, so Kate, sorry, continue. Are you talking about K- Casey Adams? He was there last year, so he's a redshirt freshman. Um, and he had 150 yards in the spring game. So he's a dynamic runner. But he's only five foot seven, 175 pounds. Uh, maybe you're thinking. Maybe there's another guy that's coming there from Akron, but not Casey. No, I'm thinking of uh, someone else who transferred out of Akron, and I just got the names confused. I apologize. Yeah, no worries, man. I think you're thinking of Cam Wiley, maybe. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Jake, how, how dare you not know every death chart in the G5, man? You're failing us. <laughs> it's, a, no, it's a cruel world out here in CFF. Yeah, no, I'm into it. Uh, you should. The other series we're doing right now, we're just going. We're building a big board, depth chart by depth chart. And we tore through Mountain West, Sun Belt, and uh, I think we're doing um, uh, Mid American. Which one's the one that got negated this year? Was it Mid American or uh, CUSA? What do you mean uh, negated? I still, yeah, I thought they didn't. They didn't they dissolve one of the conferences and add them all to a different conference? Nah, they just keep adding FCS teams into these conferences. Uh, that's what it is. Okay. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jacksonville State, Sam Houston State, all the state, all the state schools and directional schools are are getting their love now these days. And yeah, the so, yes. we're doing CUSA next week. I'm very excited about it, but I, I have not come across this name yet, so I'm stoked to hear a name that is new to me, and that is like a gift. All right, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna kick into Jake's first guy here. I'm gonna try running some highlights. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We're going to do our best, but why don't you uh, lead in here, Jake? Uh, okay, so uh, the, the first person I'd like to talk about is, uh, and I forgive me for butchering this name, uh, Ikeka Ragsdale uh, from North Texas. He's a sophomore. Uh, so North Texas brings in uh, Eric Morris, who was the uh, the coach at uh, or the offensive coordinator at Washington State last year. Uh, I think Ragsdale fits in perfectly as the next uh, Nakia Watson in this offense. Uh, he really came on late in the season uh, for North Texas last year. His last three games, he had 28 points, 16 points, 35 points. Uh, so, you know, you showed him that high ceiling, which is exactly what you want from a, a, a late round pick or, or, or any pick in, in best ball, really. Um, he's by far the best receiving back in the room. Uh, the, the next highest. So he had 19 catches last year. The next highest was four. Uh, they do still have Oscar Attaway and a day, but, uh, like I said, Ragsdale really came on down the stretch. Uh, he's going like last round or, or 30th round or, 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 or undrafted in most drafts. So he is a true sleeper. Uh, unlike some of my other guys who maybe have a little bit more variance, uh, there's there's not a lot of people talking about or, or, or picking Ragsdale, and you know he's he's going like RB seventy plus, uh, and I think his ceiling is probably somewhere in in, in the low uh, you know high 30s, 30, 38, 39 uh, kind of area. I think he can improve on what Watson did last year. Uh, they don't have. Uh, you know, Cam Ward. Yes, he wasn't a, a big rusher. He did did take take five touchdowns last year. I I, I don't know if uh, if 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 the North Texas QB Chandler Rogers will 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 do the same. Uh, but regardless, I, I like Ragsdale. I think he's talented, and uh, I'm excited about getting him in. Uh, you know, the last round when I'm you know, oh oh man, I, I I need an extra running back. And how did the draft already get to this point? Uh, at least you've got uh, Ragsdale to have your back. Love it. Josh, you got Ragsdale takes? Yeah. I mean, I think I think you're onto something here, Jacob. I mean, I think Ragsdale talked about Nikia Watson. Um, but also, man, like Chandler Rogers really struggled in the two scrimmages in the spring. And they're talking about Jace Reuter potentially being ahead of him. And if that's the case, I don't know if any of us can trust Jace Reuter <laughs> to be a top notch CFF quarterback. And if Chandler Rogers is struggling, 
he's a guy that I've been on as a sleeper at QB, but man, if he's struggling, like maybe the system's just too complex for him. Like, I don't know, but I mean, I think you're talking about them leaning on a Ragsdale even more. So, and we saw again, like you talked about Nikhil Watson, like he came on so strong at the end of the year. I mean, I think this is a really good take. Attaway's always injured. I think a day is more of an explosive back that's got, you know, better with limited touches. So I really think you might be onto something here. I like the Ragsdale take for sure, Jacob. Yeah, the, the kid looks like he's maybe a little undersized, but he seems to catch the ball real well. Um, you know, I like a lot of what I see in these highlights here. So, um, yeah, it seems like there's a lot to be excited about. Good find, Jake. Good find. All right, we're going to launch into my first guy here. And again, we're going to see if the highlights want to keep working because that last one worked out pretty okay. And first guy I want to talk about was Kai Thomas. Once a little bit of a Debbie guy a couple of years ago, we all had some high hopes. Come in behind Ibrahim, take some work. It did not necessarily work out like that for Kai Thomas. But the good news is that Young man has transferred down to the G5 to Kent State. Now, Kent State last year was going for about 400-plus yards a game. It was like 417, something like that. And if you play any CFF or a campus of Canton, you probably knew that the RB1 from Kent State last year was a beast on your team. Marquez Cooper posted a 285, 13-26 over 1,300 yards on the ground with 13 touchdowns. In addition to him transferring out, moving on and moving up, they lost wide receiver one, they lost their wide receiver two, and they lost their quarterback in Colin Schley, who is at UCLA now, right, guys? Does that sound right? Yeah, That's correct. Pro- probably backing up Dante Moore, I would think, unfortunately for Colin Schley. And, you know, I don't think that Kai Thomas himself is a transcendent talent. I think he's a, a running back. I think he's a, a P5 backup. But I think in the G5, this man can cause some serious harm. I mean, he's he's not huge. He's a 205, 5'11", but he runs for a little bit of power. You know, ran for five, five a clip in Minnesota, a little bit less than that last year in Kansas. Not sure what happened there. I mean, I had some hopes for him to, you know, be the next guy there, but didn't seem to work out. But I mean, he's got a lot of a lot of vacated production there, and uh, an offense that that desperately needs someone to step up and make some plays. What do you guys got to say about this? Uh, while he is like about to step into a great system that'll suit his strengths, the the former. Kent State offensive coordinator is now at Colorado. Uh, so it is a new system, but it's actually one that Kai is very familiar with. Uh, the, his old coach at, at Minnesota, I think it was their uh, offensive coordinator, might have been the running back coach, but uh, he's familiar with them. They obviously are known for, for what they did with Mo Ibrahim. Uh, and I think, yeah, absolutely wheels up for Thomas. Uh, he There's some concern on if you'd have uh, – the eligibility to play right away because this is his second transfer in three uh uh well is his second transfer uh in two seasons i guess actually but uh i from what i've seen everyone thinks he's going to be able to play and uh i haven't seen anything uh to suggest that he won't be able to play right away uh so assuming that that is the case uh yeah i, I think he's going to be a absolute stud in in cff and he's going to you know, maul through Mac 10 or Mac defenses, uh, you know, in the middle of winter when it's, it's hard to tackle people. Yeah. I mean, I think again, so his actual new OC is a guy named Matt Johnson. If you remember him, he was an old Bowling Green quarterback from back in the day. So he was, his uh, head coach was uh, Dino Babers. And Sean Lewis was there at the time who was the Kent State head coach, right, before. So it's going to be the same system, essentially. And this is a guy that ran it uh, for years. And Matt Johnson was the running backs coach at Kent State. So you got the Minnesota running backs coach like you talked about, Jacob. Now you got the Kent State running back coach who's now the OC. I mean, it does seem like it's all setting up for him. You really wonder. I mean, the only question marks you're going to have, right, are offensive line and just how much they've really been decimated. But – 
you know, Kai Thomas at the G5, I really think he's got a good chance to succeed. And uh, it's a lot better decision to go there than Kansas with Devin Neal, for sure. So I'm excited, man. I mean, I think, you know, it depends on, again, again, there's factors outside of his control. But I think this is the best chance for Kai Thomas to succeed in his career, for sure. Yeah, and then in terms of – oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I think that part of the uncertainty uh, of his immediate eligibility might be what's pushing down his – his ADP currently, like every time I see someone make a post about him on Twitter, someone's quick to be like, well, is he eligible? Uh, and I think that is weighing on people's mind. I think as soon as it's, you know, super clear and, uh, it, you know, yeah, he's there and he's definitely playing and, you know, either has a waiver or is doing a major that, that only Kent state offers or whatever loophole he's looking for to get to play. Uh, yeah, I think his, his ADP will uh, shoot up a good 5-10 rounds, uh, no problem. Yeah, I yeah, noticed but, in the last, the last one we did, he was not drafted. So Yeah, yeah, and, and this is the name of the game, right? Like, if you want to win these best balls in these type of leagues, it's getting a Kai Thomas when there's uncertainty, right? I think a lot of people stay away from him because they'll say he might not play, but if he plays and you get him 10 rounds better of a value – like that again, yeah. that's how you win in these type of formats, even in like a redraft, right? Like if he's not, if you get him in round 30 in a redraft, just drop him, and then you're going right. to get pick up some stud that'll get you 20 points a game anyway. So it's the beauty of these a guy like Kai Thomas is a good guy to take a risk on for sure. Good one. EK. Yeah. yeah sounds good. So actually I wanted to, you guys at the beginning, you talk a little bit about, you know, what you're looking for and in, in best ball and, roster construction you guys want to touch on that a little more and i'll just say this like from a personal experience i'm a good fantasy football player i'm a really good dynasty player i do not win these things what am i doing wrong how do you how do you build a winning roster in cff basketball yeah i mean i think for me it's just about trying to find these kai thomas's late right it's these like just hit home runs and if you can hit a couple late like a few years ago i was able to get um Will Rogers consistently in the 24th round, right? Mm-hmm. When people were just poo-pooing on him because they said Jack Abraham was going to come in and take his job from Southern Miss. And uh, right. that didn't happen. And, uh, and so it's, it's getting those guys, right? It's these guys that are in position battles that people tend to devalue. It's taking shots on those guys late and then just handcuff them. And, you know, I think it's a lot of that type of stuff that really helps you. Because if you get those guys and you're able to draft well early, then um, – you know, there's a bit of injury luck, but it's those two things, picking position battles and figuring out how to pick the right one. Um, and then getting these guys late, like a Kai Thomas. I think that's really how you win, to be honest. So, so I heard from you at finding value, uh, exploiting uncertainty, right. To find that value and drafting for upside, right. Drafting for just ceiling on these guys, yep. essentially over floor. Um, Jake, what would say you, man, do you, do you win these things? Do you take these home? Uh, I've won a few. Yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, everything Josh said is uh, true. I think this year, uh, now that I'm trying to actually uh, put in volume uh, and putting in volume does allow you to kind of take advantage of the people who, uh, you know, have risky situations the way that if you're only doing a couple of these, you, you, uh, you know, you stand to tank your entire portfolio. If Kai Thomas, you know, doesn't play. Uh, whereas if you're doing, you know, a hundred of these leagues, uh, you can, you know, have quite a lot of exposure and, you know, when they do hit then like, Ooh, you paid for all the ones that didn't. Uh, but is what I've really been trying to focus on this year is, is just trying some different things with roster construction. I, I, uh, there was a reason that I wanted to do the, uh, the wide receiver shows first. I think that, uh, the, the late, the last 10, 15 rounds are, are littered with, with wide receivers who are going to go off with, for 800 yards, seven, seven, 800 yards. And, you know, in there, each of them are going to have, you know, two or three uh, 20, 30 point games. And you don't need one player to get every 20, 30 point game uh, and, and be an absolute home run. You just need a handful of them to do it in any given week. And uh, I think when you give yourself those uh, shots at, at players who have a, a reasonable chance of uh, actually being productive and, and you know, you don't want someone who's going to get you 10 points every week, but someone who's going to have a 25 point explosion and then, yeah, maybe they disappear for a week. Uh, those those are the people I'm I'm really targeting uh, late, 
And I'm, uh, you know, kind of offsetting that by, you know, maybe it's silly. Obviously, running back is the the most fra- fragile position, but I, I've been loading up on uh, on locked in running backs. That I know we're going to see volume uh, early, and you know. If I shoot nine shots at running backs who are all going to get over 200 carries and, and some of them get hurt, then that, that's fine. At least I have a, another solid handful that, uh, you know, are all locked in and in systems that I like and, uh, you know, going to be productive. Uh, that, that, that's kind of the, uh, the, the approach I've been trying to take uh, the, the last month or so. And you can look back at my best balls and really sort of see how I've kind of pivoted to just hammering quarterback tight end and running back the first 10 rounds and then uh, really transitioning to wide receiver after that. Love it. Love it. Any parting shots on that, Josh, or we move on? No, I think that's great. It's a good strategy. Nice. Okay. I think you're up next, Josh. All right. So my second running back was a guy named British Brooks. And I think we all remember him from a couple years ago, right? Last three or four games that year, he just went off. I mean, you're showing highlights here from the NC State game where he had 15 carries, 124 yards. Had a huge game against South Carolina at the end of the year as well. Um, and he was projected to be the number one coming into going into last year and then tore his ACL. Um, and then he came back in the spring game um, and it looked really good. I think he had like four carries for like 34 yards, caught a pass out of the backfield. Um, and so... He's a guy that I definitely think nobody took the reins last year in that UNC backfield. Elijah Green kind of came on at the end of the year, but he's not really, I don't think, who they're looking for. Um, so I think British Brooks would come back and take this backfield over. They got a new OC coming in with Chip Lindsey, um, who kind of historical data over the last nine years, his running backs have averaged 16.2 fantasy points per game. And then just last year, um, he had uh, Isaiah Bowser there at UCF. And he averaged uh, 15 points a game on 206 carries and then 808 yards and 16 touchdowns. And then also had 14 catches for 186 yards. So in that scheme, Chip Lindsay's scheme, they like to do a lot of like downhill north-south running, which British Brooks is like your really your typical kind of one-cut runners, really where he's at his best. Um, and so I think he's a good fit for this scheme, and I think he'll do a good job uh, for the Tar Heels this year. And He's pretty much free because I don't think most people know that he even played in the spring game. So they don't even know that he's coming back or that he's healthy. So easy, easy to get the end of your drafts for sure. Yeah. I love it. seems like uh, he's got some, he's got some juice looks like, you know, got a little bit of steam, got some uh, tough running to him. Uh, what do you got on Brooks, Jake? Uh, I mean, just to, to kind of follow up on what Josh said, I mean, uh, uh, the Bowser had no juice and was, you know, a pretty <laughs> awful running back. And he, you know, the way, the way that Lindsay plays it, uh, you know, North South, but you know, once you get within the 10 yard line, he's going to try and run it down your throat and they're going to, you know, Bowser is good for two touchdowns a game running pretty much uh, any given game. You got the best uh, court, one of the best quarterbacks in the country uh, throwing the rock for you and hopefully going to get you down the field. And, you know, I, I, I love his, I think British Brooks is a much better running back than Isaiah Bowser. And I, I think that uh, that offense should put him in, uh, you know, plenty of positions to, to, to hit pay dirt, which is what matters most uh, for, for the sport we play. That's good. Loving it. Loving it. Anything else on him, Josh? Or? No, that's good. Okay, Jake, I love your next guy too. You want to uh, yes. lead him off? So yes, uh, Marlon Gunn Jr. Uh, he's some people love him. Some people uh, seem to prefer uh, Rajai Harris. Uh, the the incumbent uh, running back behind Keaton Mitchell. Uh, Harris had a good season uh, two years ago, but this most recent year, Marlon Gunn was uh, a true freshman on campus. Him and Harris had the exact same amount of touches, and uh, you know Marlon Gunn was able to rip off 5.1 yards per carry to, to Harris's 3.5. So are, are their carries identical and in the identical context? Of course not, but you know they, they're behind the same offensive line, playing in the same offense. And uh, Marlon Gunn was much more productive. Uh, everyone knows how good Keaton Mitchell was. He's going to be a glaring, uh, you know, mountain of production to replace. And if, if Gunn can seize, you know, 
even 70% of that, he's going to return uh, value on where you're drafting him. Uh, he had a, a great recruiting pro profile. Uh, he had several Power 5 offers, including Florida State. Uh, his high school tape was great. Uh, Austin Nace from Campus Canton ended up having him as a, a top 30 incoming freshman back. Um, he second leading rusher on the team last year as a true freshman, 14 catches. Uh, and, and Keaton Mitchell is gone, as I said, and he had, you know, almost 30 catches. So there, there's plenty of receiving work and air work for him. And he's a, a, a brutally tough runner. He was uh for for all returning running backs in the country, he's uh, 35th in uh, yards after contact per attempt. Uh, over three and a half yards per attempt came after contact. So you, it takes more than getting your hands on him to bring him down. And uh, I, I like him to make quick work of any defense that they come up against. I love it. Josh, you got anything on gun? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what he does with more carries because, I mean, I think part of that yards after contact per attempt is I think he gets better, like, with more carries he has in a game personally. And so I, I like this a lot. I mean, I definitely think he's head and shoulders above Harris. Um, I mean, I like Harris, right? But uh, Gunn's just on a different level. I mean, to come in as a true freshman and to siphon carries from Harris, who, again, like you talked about, Jacob, had a really good true freshman you know, year himself. Um, I mean, I think it says something about gun. Um, so I'm excited. I mean, I think he's a really good one as well. So it'd be interesting to see what he does. Yeah, I'm into it. And we know that um, the running back there has been very productive. So um, we're going to miss Keaton yeah. Mitchell. Yeah, yeah Keaton Mitchell, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's an NFL player. Um, all right. I think I got some highlights of my next guy. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, the time will tell. Uh, this happens when you're trying to find a service academy player. Um, I think we got like a highlight here. So my next guy, I'm dipping into the service academies, which you can do when you're looking for a running back, not really for any other position on offense. But uh, this one I'm bringing to you is one, one John Lee Eldridge. Uh, he is, I believe, a senior. He was junior last year. Uh, I don't know if that's like a third year or what. But um, and this man was it, again. It's it's a triple option kind of uh, offense. So you know, not necessarily like RB one, RB two. But uh, he was the third highest carry leader on the team last year, behind their quarterback and. Uh, What's the guy's name? Roberts, right? Yep, yep. Roberts, Roberts. who who was who was a beast. Brad Roberts went for one thousand seven hundred and twenty-eight yards and seventeen touchdowns last year. And behind that, Eldridge ran for ninety-nine, seven sixty-six, and four. I'm talking about elusive rating, like Jake was yards after contact. So Eldridge last year had over three yards per contact per attempt. And a ridiculous over one missed tackle forced per carry. That is an absurd number. Uh, four four speed. He's not a big guy, but you know certainly dashes the offense. Last year he was used on a lot of work to the edges. Uh, remains to be seen if he's going to really slide in and take more work between the carries. But the reality is. They lost the other two guys that were the primary rushing threats there. So I can't see him not getting substantially more work than he did last year. Even if he doesn't take over Robert's role and become a ridiculous volume guy, if he gets 200 carries instead of 99 or 180 carries, he becomes a really attractive op option here, particularly in this format where he's a home run hitter. And, you know, in my opinion, those guys are going to break one or two long runs a game for touchdowns. Uh, are, are really good options in best ball more so than in a regular league where you're setting the lineup. Uh, so yeah, Air Force averaged almost 62 rush attempts last year and over 320 yards on the ground. So, and they are going to run the ball that much again, because that is what they do. They're a service Academy. So uh, yeah, I, I think 
where Lee Eldridge is going, which he was in round 22 in the last draft we did. Um, I think he's well worth the investment. What, what say you guys? Yeah, I mean, just to back up what you're saying, um, there were, I just look, looked it up again to make sure it was correct, but there are sources at Air Force that are saying that he's going to slide into that fullback role that Brad Roberts held last year. So, you know, if that's the case, right? I mean, is he going to get 345 carries? Probably not, but you're talking about a guy that's probably going to at least get 250 carries, and you already listed off all the great stats about him. And um, so I think it's this is brilliant, EK. I think it's really, really good. Um, and this is this one in, in particular is just worth the price of this show alone. I mean, people should listen to this just for this because nobody's drafting them. So, yeah, it's really good. High praise, Josh. Thank you, sir. Jake, Jake you got anything on uh, Eldridge? No, just a, a funny anecdote. Uh, I had stumbled upon the name uh, like a, a couple months ago, uh, just like reading some random tweet. And I was looking, I forget who I was even researching, but a, a different player on a different team and some random person was like, oh, I like him and John Eldridge, John Lee Eldridge this year. And I, I, I looked into him. I'm like, super excited to draft him. I hadn't seen I looked at my last like three drafts. No one had taken him. And who who takes him uh, in the 23rd round? Freaking Josh. I was like, God damn it. So then the next next draft, I was what one one spot before Josh. So I had to make sure I got Eldridge one pick before before the round that he took in the previous draft. Just to, just at least get my one share. Uh, hope to turn that into more. But uh, even, even when you think you're unearthing these, uh, you know, undiscovered gems, uh, you know, jo- Josh Chevalier is is out there lurking, and he's going <laughs> to uh, just waiting, just waiting with the, the mouse, just waiting to click up, the button. Messed <laughs> up. It's cold world. It's cold world. Hacking into your computer, just seeing your, your queue, <laughs> after, you know. <laughs> brutal, no, Josh. Awesome, brutal. Man. What a great story. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I, I was I was data scouting, just like finding some markers I like for running backs for Debbie purposes, and I was super excited because I found this guy with this really cool profile. Look up the name, and then I opened up um, our friends at campus at Canton's uh, freshman supplemental guide, and he's like, he's their number one tier one target in every draft. Now. He's going in like the second or third round of my supplementals, when no one knew who this guy was like thirty days ago. I'm so pissed. He's sour. We're gonna harangue That's Austin when he's on here. He's be so mad. Freaking yeah. backup running back from Syracuse. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's not like brain brain surgery to figure out that Sean Tucker's successor is a guy you might want to look at. But uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> nah, that's so awesome, man. What? It's so. It is like I do think we're coming into a time right with Debbie C two C CFF. There's so many people getting into this space that the idea that we're going to unearth some gem that nobody has any idea of, I mean, that's just off the table, which for me, right. like it just means I'm free to go share it all on Twitter that I've just been hiding for all these years. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, or at least you make some friends, right? Maybe some money. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> all right, and it's, it's back to you, my friend. And uh, this is one of my favorites too from back in the day. So why don't you tell me all about Jalen Knighton. Yeah, old Jalen Knighton. So he transferred SMU in this offseason, and, I mean, he's really hit the ground running. He's reunited with Rhett Lashley, who's the OC at Miami for a couple years. Um, And Knighton had his best year, I think it was in 2021, with uh, Rhett Lashley, where Knighton got suspended for the first three games, if you guys remember that. But then over the last nine games, averaged 18.9 fantasy points a game. And despite his small stature, he's only 180 pounds. Man, he was getting 20-plus carries consistently with Lashley. Um, and I also think Lashley, he's a great play caller, and he knows how to get Knighton on the ball in space as well. And so um, I'm expecting the same thing at SMU. I mean, you got LJ Johnson there, um, who is the RB2 right now, and they're going to really be kind of a thunder and lightning duo in a lot of ways. But um, SMU is one of the schools. Uh, when you do this long enough, you, you learn the schools that really – have good beat writers that are really on top of it and have a lot of good inside information. And SMU is one of those schools where their beat writers have a lot of access. And so you can really trust what they're saying. And they're pretty clear that Knighton's the guy right now. And he's just got a different gear than anybody on that team 
minus a Kamar Wheaton, but Kamar Wheaton is suspended at the beginning of spring ball. Um, and and he, you know, I don't want to get into all this stuff because I think it's, it's personal, but you just don't really know if Kamar Wheaton's going to even be on the field um, with some of the issues that he's got going on. So um, I think Knighton's got a pretty clear path here um, to some good volume uh, in this offense. And man, I mean, we know from these highlights and from just watching him play, if he gets a seam, then he's gone. And AAC is uh, defensively challenged even more than the ACC. So he should have plenty of opportunity. Yeah, I love it, man. I could see Knighton being a guy that goes for like 13, 1400 all purpose yards this year and gets on the NFL draft radar. Because, dude, he is explosive. He's a good pass catcher, he's elusive. I can really see him making like a significant dent rehabbing so bad. I'm not saying he's going to be like, you know, a day two guy, but you know, I can see him, uh, you know, like getting like Keaton Mitchell or, uh, gosh, what's the guy that, um, went to, to the Cowboys. Yeah. Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. Deuce Vaughn's yeah. I mean, like analytical profile is absurd. He's just one of the most productive running backs in college football for multiple years, but I can yeah. see him getting that kind of, you know, we're going to throw him as a change pace guy, et cetera. Totally. He plays a role in the NFL for sure. Like with his skill set. Absolutely. Yeah. Jake, you got anything on Knighton? I think that this uh, new situation will be Knighton day. (laughs) (laughs) You're saving that one. Oh man. But I love Rooster. He was a one-time Florida State commit. I was always bummed when he ended up at Miami. I think he went to high school down in Miami as well. Uh, He was great with Lashley. Uh, I still have PTSD from his 35-yard touchdown catch against us, uh, else being the Seminoles. in 2021, as Josh touched on, uh, thankfully it set up one of the best uh, Jordan Travis moments uh, of his career. But uh, it still hurt like heck when he when he when he rumbled off that run. You know, he showed the juice, he showed the contact balance, he made the guy miss. He was he's all in one run uh, or one one reception even. Uh, so I, I I love Rooster. I'm very excited for him to be reunited with Lashley. Uh, Lashley's you know churned out productive uh, players all over the field, but uh, even his uh, previous stint at, at SMU, we saw a number of good running back seasons and uh, I, I, I wheels up for him. I had this hope for Cam Wheaton last year. Uh, it wasn't meant to be for, for whatever reason, uh, but uh I think Knighton's only going there to be with his buddy, uh, you know, Lashley. And I, I think that, that he's going to feed him the rock and I, I can't wait to see it. Uh Wheels up for sure. Love it. Love it. Okay, so uh, this next guy, I got some high school highlights because there isn't a lot on him. You want to uh, lead in here, Jake? <laughs> I do. So, there's, a, there's, a dude, there's also a dude talking. Sorry. <laughs> You're all good. Sharp uh, sports. <laughs> uh, so there's reason that there's high school highlights. Uh, that is because uh, my, my player, uh, Marcus uh, Crosby, uh, set the Mississippi state record for high school rushing uh, two years or three years ago. Uh, he averaged 289 yards a game as a high school senior and ran for almost 3,700 yards. Uh, that is absurd. Uh, last year, uh, you know, Louisiana Tech, he's a redshirt freshman, 40 missed tackles on the season, 40, fourth in the conference. Uh Half of his last six games went over 20 points. He had multiple 30-point games on the season, so you know the ceiling's there in best ball. Uh, He only had nine catches last year, which is probably the biggest knock on his profile, but the two 30-point games uh, as a redshirt freshman, to me, uh, indicate that he's not going to be someone who uh, is completely dependent on that sort of work to still have, uh, you know, an effective and meaningful season. Last year we saw, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Dwayne McBride, but we saw Dwayne. McBride have next to no uh, receiving work and absolutely obliterate college fantasy football. So I I, I know everyone wants to have uh, a running back who catches passes, and yes, it is absolutely uh, a good thing when that's the case, but I don't think in this case it is going to hamper him from being an effective running back and returning value on where you're drafting him. Uh, Louisiana Tech did bring in a couple of bodies. Uh, They bought in Squirrel Williams, who I think is actually – 
fairly talented. He went off, I think, for about 500 yards last year for Baylor. Uh, and then Tyre Shelton, who I, I, he's from Miami, Ohio. I think he ends up being a, purely a depth piece, uh, and I'm not really worried about him there. Uh, Crosby, though, I, I'm super excited about. Uh, I only know about him from our uh, 24 team uh, C2C league last year, EK. <laughs> I picked him up randomly on a whim, and he, he bailed me out of some tough pickles. So I'm, I'm putting my chips behind him this year. That's amazing. Righteous. I remember drafting Marlon Gunn in that one and looking at my roster halfway through the season and being like, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> And then being like, oh, it's a four-star on G5 program. I like that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I I really like Marcus Crosby. Is You know, it's kind of funny um, with Crosby because I was drafting him a lot very early on in the best ball season. I just stopped because nobody else would draft him. And so now you're giving me confidence again, Jacob, to start drafting him again <laughs> because I'm like – Am I crazy? Like, is Craig Williams, is Squirrel Williams going to come in and, like, have that big of an impact? Because Crosby's, like, a totally different back than Squirrel Williams. I mean, you can see them playing two different roles, right, where Squirrel is kind of a pass catcher and Crosby kind of gets those 15 to 20 carries, goal line touches. I mean, I think he still has value even with Squirrel Williams on the roster. And so you're giving me confidence to start drafting him again. I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) (laughs) This is the double-edged sword of being a content provider. Uh, I mean, I love some of the data points you're talking about. It just seems like consistently getting work, consistently producing 40 uh, forced missed tackles. I mean, I I love guys that that force uh, missed tackles. It's a fairly sticky data point year over year. It translates to the NFL in some meaningful way fantasy points so it's assume that it would tra- translate to in a meaningful way to cff fantasy points as well but um yeah i'm, I'm excited uh, i think i'm gonna go draft him yeah i mean it's pretty yeah you look at the pff stuff right and you find the force tackles and it's like all those guys are at the top of the list, like blake quorum right Bijan robinson so absolutely and it's like if guy if you can find a guy with contact balance in these huddle films it's like that's all you got to look for and those guys generally have pretty good success and crosby's one of those guys Absolutely. Yeah, I've um, I've done I do I do the actual data scouting and it has a significant correlation. So wow, um, you know it, it meaningfully improves my model when I add it as an input. So um, only oh, what the only the only PFS set that like all the ones that you're like oh like yards per L run like that'll help right? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not meaningful for running backs, but this force tackles and and yards yards after contact for an attempt to some to some degree. Uh, is useful as well. So we're going back to the well, the U of M here. And I don't know. I think this guy's a little shakier than some of the other ones we threw out, but also he goes super late and he's a fun player for me, uh, you know, that I enjoy. And again, he's kind of the same profile as Jalen Knight in, in a lot of ways, really. I mean, another one of these guys, uh, just high, high stars, uh, highly recruited, that UM just viciously throws into a rotation, therefore often destroying fantasy value for all of us. But Henry (laughs) Parrish Jr., last year was the lead back there. I know some people, the doomsayers are saying the Toronto citizen is going to come and gobble up all the work, but I think um, Parrish does things that they like to do in this offense that I don't think citizen does. I mean... He's, again, he's in that mold. He's, he's elusive. He's a really good pass catcher and, uh, you know, just, just an excellent all-purpose back. And, you know, Citizen, to me, he's, he's good. He's a little more of a banger. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens again. This isn't the one I'm hanging my hat on, but, uh, you know, I, I'll talk about Henry Parrish any chance I get. But uh, last year he led the team with 616 yards, four touchdowns, added another 120 and two through the air. It was a top 60 rushing grade for PFF. Jalen Knighton, gone. Uh, Cheney, he's kind of like a senior citizen here. Travanti citizen, didn't even play last year. So I don't see anyone seriously threatening him for the touch leader. Uh, I guess the problem would be if, you know, Citizen comes in and really is just taking all the goal line work. Uh, you know, it could kind of kill my vibe here. But for what it's worth and what he's costing right now, I, I like taking shots on Parrish. Again, he's another guy I could see, you know, go as a UDFA and have a cup of coffee in the NFL or become a, you know, a satellite back for a team. He's, he's got that kind of profile. So what do you guys say? Is this crazy? Is Parrish a terrible pick? 
or is he someone that, that you're interested in at the right price? He's someone I'm interested in at the right price. This is part of why I like to to leave my wide receivers for this range because I don't want to just be locked into the, the, the five other guys we talked about and uh, not have enough much other wiggle room that I there's I'd prefer many other wide receivers to, to perish before I had to take him. But that being said, for the the context of the show, I think he's a, a great selection. Uh, I'm interested to see uh, how, how the new uh, offensive coordinator does in Miami, Shannon Dawson. Uh, we he was uh, I think they, he was calling the plays. Uh, well, I don't know how, if, how much actual play calling he's doing, but he was the offensive coordinator, I believe, in 2021 when uh, uh, Alton McCaskill uh, absolutely lit uh, mm-hmm. lit college football on fire. Uh, so you know, there's room for uh for a ceiling i think in that system uh back when uh he was the uh i think the offensive coordinator at at southern miss he had you know something like uh 25 or 27 uh 50 plus plays or, or 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 something even more ridiculous than that i think it was like 16 from 50 11 from 60 and then you know still more of from 70, 80, and 90. Uh, they had a, they have very explosive offense who are capable of scoring, going the distance from anywhere on the field. The ACC isn't exactly known for its uh, defenses. Uh, so I, I think that the, the the ceiling is there. I think he's much more likely to hit the floor uh, than the ceiling, but I do think there's a ceiling, which is important. Yeah, so uh, I come bearing good news for you, EK, and bad news for a lot of other people on Trevante Citizen. So he actually, you know, when he tore his ACL in fall camp last year, it was a pretty bad tear. Um, and it was multiple ligaments that got torn. And then in January, he actually re had a setback. Um, so they're talking about him potentially not even playing in 2023. So, I mean, that definitely bodes well for Henry Parrish. Um, I mean, I think, and you know, Don Cheney is what he is. There is a true freshman coming in this summer, Mark Fletcher, that that I like quite a bit. Um, and so that's the only one that you really got to worry about. And he's, he's not going to be, um, he's not going to be a a great NFL back, but he's going to be a super solid college running back. And so, um, but you know, Henry Parrish is definitely going to be starting. What'd you say? Parrish or Fletcher? Fletcher. Yeah. Um, but, but I think Parrish is definitely going to get the start at the beginning of the year. The coaches really trust him. They really like him. And, and then it's about him holding on to that job as Mark Fletcher kind of grows into, you know, hit the scheme and um, being, you know, college football running back. But, but yeah, I like Parrish a lot. EK, I think that's a good one. You think, um, you think Fletcher plays over Thad Franklin this year? Yeah. Isn't Ben yeah. Franklin? Oh, he's, he's at Louisiana Monroe. Yeah. Oh, well, that's interesting yeah. there then, too, because I think he's decent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely at that level for sure. Yeah, right. I, yeah. So there's for, for Franklin, my, I, I, could, I flirted with the idea of including him in the list. I, I don't have enough confidence in that system to, uh, to feature him heavily enough, but he's definitely going to be the most talented running back in that room and probably on the field most Saturdays that they play. Yeah. And, you know, Miami just also brought in A.J. Allen, but he seems like he's kind of a clone in a lot of ways of Henry Parrish, so I don't think he's going to take any work from him. Mark Fletcher is the one that you got to worry about because he's kind of more in the mold of Mario Cristobal's guys. He's 6'2", 225 as a true freshman, caught an 80-yard touchdown pass in the Army All-American game. So he can, he can, you know, he, he's a good running back, very productive down in, um, in Miami for a American Heritage. He's a top high school. So I played against good competition, good running back. But, but man, Henry, Henry Parrish has, has fought off some dudes over the years. And there was no doubt that he was going to be RB1 even last year with, with Trevante Citizen. So I like it, EK. Love it. I love it. And uh, I'm going to go add Mark Fletcher to all my supplemental cues right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a guy you can get late. And, I, yeah. I mean, a guy that averages – averaging eight and a half yards of carry in high school ball in, in Miami, playing against the top competitions, like averaging 12 yards of carry anywhere else. I mean, he's really, really good, really physical. He reminds me of Gus Edwards, um, who, you know, 
limited limited profile in the NFL, but you know, good running back for sure. Okay, guys, that was that was awesome. I appreciate you guys so much. Uh, you guys brought so much money to the table here for our, our listeners and for me. Uh, I mean, this is just this is really good stuff. You can't get this anywhere else except maybe from Josh on the Fantasy Points CFB. So are you just uh, are you writing articles over there, Josh, or do you, do you have a pod? How do you deliver your content to people at Fantasy Points? Yeah, I mean, so the off-season stuff, I'm going to write some top t- – the threads I've been doing on Twitter, which are basically top 10 threads for Debbie and CFF, I'm going to turn those into longer articles um, with more analysis. <laughs> and then in-season, yeah, we're going to do a bunch of – we're going to cover almost every DFS slate. It's really going to be our bread and butter. And then do some player props because that's a place – I mean, for all of us, it's, it's a place in the betting industry that is a little untapped where people mm. are hitting – 65 70% um, of player props in college football. And so it's a place where a lot of people can make money pretty easily. And so I think all of us just need to jump in and collaborate on that and uh, man, make money for one another on things like prize picks and DraftKings where it's available. So those are the, that's what we're going to be focusing on over at Fantasy Points. I love it. Maybe we'll have to start a little, uh, start a little prop show, start a little prop show and have Josh come on as a recurring guest. See if we it's right, can... it's right for the picking, man. I mean, we made so much money last year off of it, and um, so we'll see. That's it. Well, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna have to tail you on your show now too. Uh, <laughs> so are you guys doing a show over there? So we're gonna do a DFS live stream on Fridays for the main slate um, over there. That's the main show that we'll do. Yeah, no prop show yet, though. No prop show yet. We'll see. If I get the so guy I want to get, then maybe we'll do it. Yeah, there's a voice. There's a voice. You're telling me. You're telling me there's a space. There's a space for sure, and nobody's taking it. So here we are. Loving it. Loving it. Loving it. Josh, I thank you so much for coming on, man. You're you're, you're the man, and uh, this was awesome. Jake, you got anything last here to plug? Any parting thoughts on this stuff? Nope. Thank you guys uh, both for for having me on and for for talking ball with me. Uh, been a blast. Yeah, yeah I appreciate right, so it, guys. Uh, I, I love it, guys. If you're not following Josh at TFF, guys, you are missing out. If you're not following Jake at Debbie Jake, you're missing out on one of the smartest minds in the CFB and Debbie world. And I am at EK Baller. Please hit the like and subscribe buttons if you like this content. We are looking forward to bringing you so much more awesome content this summer, and we need your support. So we appreciate you all. Thanks so much. Come back next time tomorrow. For Freshman with Austin Ace.